Um, just to let everybody know, the call is being recorded and the recording will be available on our website, www.natureevolutionaries.com later in this week. And if you're not speaking, you won't be recorded. So you can be relaxed and have your camera on today if you would like. All right. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Elisha Holliday, the executive director of ONE. I'd like to welcome you to our Becoming a Nature Evolutionary webinar series, where we delve deeply into what it means to be a nature evolutionary. This consciousness-raising exploration is at the core of one's vision of a world where people and nature are co-creative partners and all life has the right to thrive. Today, we're celebrating one's 10th anniversary, <laughs> and we are really really overjoyed. Um, in honor of the occasion, we have an incredible panel for you today. We're going to be talking about partnering with nature for a vibrant future. And something we're doing today that's a little different than what we normally do is that when I ask the panel a question, we want to invite you to really also take the question in deeply to yourself. And if you would like to also answer the question, we invite you to put your answer, your thoughts, your brainstorming into the chat today. We're going to use the chat as a holding space for kind of a free forming brainstorm. Uh, and then later, we're going to take all of that, everything that the panelists say, all that you have to contribute, assemble it and distill it into a blueprint and a visioning document for our community, which we will share with you later. And also in this webinar, and definitely in celebration of one's decade anniversary, we are gonna have a gift drawing in gratitude for years and years of support, partnership, love with all of you and with our beloved mother earth, so. Moving on, I'd love to introduce our fantastic panelists today. Our first panelist, Pam Montgomery, is an herbalist, author, international teacher, and earth elder. She's a new paradigm thinker who has passionately embraced her role as a spokesperson for green beings and has been investigating plants and their intelligent spiritual nature for more than three decades. Pam is also the founder of One. Hi, Pam. Oh, Rebecca, can you help Pam unmute? Okay, there we go. Thank you, Alicia, for that lovely introduction. And yes, I'm so excited to be here. I can hardly believe it's been 10 years since this organization began. And it's this is a really big um, marker kind of along the on along our path. So thank you so much for for hosting today and for just being the awesome executive director that you are. Thank you, Pam. Um, and our next panelist is Larry Karstedt. And Larry's life journey has been rich, rewarding, and varied. With a long professional career as an emergency medical services administrator in California, master's degree in biology from Cal Poly Humboldt in Northern California, 
extensive world travels, and a lovely growing musical repertoire with his beloved guitar. <laughs> Larry is married to Visioning Council, one Visioning Council member, Julie Caldwell, and Larry's participated in many one programs. Hello, Larry. How are you today? Fantastic. How are you? Good. So good to see you, like always. Thank you for having me here. Mm -hmm. And our next panelist is Myra Jackson. Myra serves as an expert on the UN Harmony with Nature program, and she carries the official title of Diplomat of the Biosphere. Um, in this role, she's focused on nature's intrinsic rights to exist whole along with all of her life forms. She's an earth elder who has held careers in engineering, holographic organizational development, and academia. Myra was a featured presenter in one's Women Working for the Earth Summit and has also been featured in our Nature Evolutionary webinar series. Hi, Myra. Hello, we're celebrating today. What, <laughs> I couldn't refuse an invitation like that. Good to be with all of you. So good to have you. And our um, fourth panelist today is Lauren Valle. Lauren is a community herbalist, gardener, artist, and mother of two young boys. She's devoted to reawakening the memories we all carry of being joyfully woven into the web of life and to dismantling the social constructs that lead us to believe that we are separate from each other and that we are separate from nature. Lauren is a Visioning Council member of one and just an incredible human being, in my opinion. Lauren? Thanks for having me. I'm really grateful to be in this conversation today and this celebration. Yes, so good to have you. And so good to have each of you. Thank you so, so much for accepting the invitation to celebrate with us today and to head into this, you know, needed, deep and beautiful conversation about partnering with nature for our more vibrant future. And we are just going to jump right in after all of the extra stuff we're doing here for our anniversary. Um, when we started, when this topic really started to come with us, come to us, one of the things that that really came forward first and foremost was um, that knowingness, that awakening, the feeling of interbeing, knowing that we are all connected and really being aware of the state of connectedness and interdependence of all life. So that's kind of where our first question to the panelists is gonna land right now. And we also invite all of you please to take this question in as I ask it and share if you feel called to. And Pam, we're gonna put this question first to you. So we'd really love if you could share with us how living with an awareness of interbeing, where interbeing, as I said, is the state of connectedness and interdependence of all life. How has this impacted the way you are being, living, and walking in your life right now?
Oh, having a mute issue. Okay, good. So it seems like each time you're going to have to unmute the person who's speaking, seemingly. Okay. All right. Uh, this is great. Um, well, interbeing is this uh, really interesting uh, kind of concept that was brought forward by Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese monk, Thich Nhat Hanh. And as Alicia mentioned, has to do with, you know, our connectedness and our interdependence and, and also kind of even in a broader scope of like the reality now and the conscious awareness now that, that everything we do affects something else. So it's, so it's, it's just kind of, that's the way it is. And so this whole idea is like really kind of hit me hard with the, the idea of especially what's going on with the climate these days and, and the fact that it's likely that much of it is because of, of human actions, human uh, impact. And so what that's done for me, how that's living out in my life right now is I've, I've come to the place of, it's a daily practice. It's a practice I've taken up now where every, well, every, that's dramatic, that's drastic statement, but as much as I can to be consciously aware of what is the impact of the particular action I'm going to take right now. What, what, what's the impact going to be to other people, to the earth, to the water, especially these days. And so it's, um, and it's, it really makes you stop and go, oh, if I do that, then let's see, how's that gonna be tomorrow? And then how is it gonna be seven generations from now? So it's, a, it's <laughs> I mean, it, it takes up a bit of your time and your day, but it's, it's like really important for us to start thinking that way. And so I've, I've initiated a daily practice of that. And it it's, happens in small ways, but I really pay attention to how much plastic I put in the garbage can. I really do. And, and so then my shopping habits have changed to not buying stuff that's got a ton of plastic around it. And so then it goes, it goes into like, what if, what if, when plastic was being invented way back after World War II, when all so there was so much petroleum that needed to be used up. So voila, here's a product that uses it. Let's make plastic. Oh, look what a great thing it is. It so it makes it so much more convenient for everybody. Isn't it wonderful? What if during that those kinds of inventions or those kinds of uh, creations of things, what if we actually took a moment to pause Mm -hmm. And to think about that, to think like, what's the impact? Not right, just right now, but in the, for the future. And I, so that's where I would like to see like this whole notion of interbeing and that we're con totally connected. We're totally interdependent on each other and what we do has effect on everything else. So that's where I'm at with interbeing. I feel like it's a huge concept and a huge 
way of being on the planet. And and it would be really fabulous if we could incorporate it in a on a daily level. So mm-hmm. that's my thoughts about inner being in this second, in this moment. Hmm. You know, there, I was just on a walk with a dear friend this morning and um, she picks up garbage every place we go. And she likes to tease that she's a little, I don't remember if it's obsessive or compulsive, but she was like, you know what? It sh- I should have an organization called Obsession for Good and we pick up trash everywhere. That's good. I'll, I'll join. <laughs> <laughs> Mara, what are, you, what are your feelings on inner being and and how that has impacted your your life, your way of being in the world, your beingness? Yeah, I think it's the single most in terms of a thought or idea or a concept that has, uh, you know, stayed the test of time. Uh, It has been there always. And yet when Thich Nhat Hanh coined the term, uh, you know, I was really close in relationship to him at the time. And uh, what I've been noticing is, you know, every day there's evidence that this is something that is rippling through in consciousness to us as we are in the this mist of the earth giving its, you know, very shocking, alarming feedback. Uh, we are in a feedback loop with the planetary being. And I pay a lot of attention to that. And the response from uh, the feedback is forcing us to look at the our activity and our impact on the planet. But more than that, it's waking us up to what it means to be truly human. For me, that's what the personal process has looked like. Is and and what that means for me is that there's never a moment in which we are not in the relational field with the planetary being and with nature itself. And and not only that, the cosmos. And so when we look at that and we ask, are we living our lives as if life truly matters? Um, That's kind of the question I ask of myself. Am I acting as if life matters? All life. It's a big charge. Not only that, the first vows I could ever take in my life, because I was so vow averse, were those vows to recognize and to care for sentient life, all sentient beings. And so what I see in all of this is that we are waking up slowly to being able to deal with complexity. It is a complex idea. This idea of Indra's net, this interrelatedness, interdependence, interrelatedness uh, is to me, I call the three eyes. It is the complexity. And so this coming together to repair these broken bonds, you know, whatever separated us from knowing all that, it's been interesting to watch this evolve and this to unfold in our lives. But I really do think that's what I'm noticing everywhere I look.
we're coming to it. So in my daily life, it is, uh, I, <laughs> I often don't tell this story, but you know, one of the first alarm bells within me was in my own gut with the yeast that lived in me and it was becoming overwhelming. And the first thought is to, you know, find something to take to kill it off. And when I tried to do that, I felt in my body the scream from the yeast. And it gave me clear uh, guidance that if we're going to solve this, that we're going to have to find a way to come into harmony, that there is always going to be some level of this of yeast present in the body. So to find a safe operating uh, space for both of us was important. And so at the microbial level, we have a chance to look at what we have to be busy at doing on the macro level, you see. So it's that kind of regard. We really are all in this together. Mm. Thank you, Myra. Larry? Well, hello, everyone, again. Um, so interconnectedness, that, that was a new term for me today, or yesterday, I think. Um, but connectedness and um being part of the the planet and the universe um it, it's huge for me it always has been uh, certainly it's evolved uh, through my life but i i kind of come to this from a background of biology of um uh, immersing in the natural world um, i've had the the privilege to do so with, with my wife julia for many years um, and it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm surrounded. You can't see it, but by redwoods in our backyard, um, baby redwoods, 90 years old or so, all much bigger than I can get my arms around. Um, we live in paradise here, um, surrounded by the wild. Um, I live in Humboldt County, California with Humboldt Bay nearby Pacific ocean, six rivers, um, the largest tree on the planet currently uh, is just an hour and a half north of us um, in beautiful old growth redwood forests. So I, 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 we're immersed here in that um, with these young uh, redwoods um, and medicinal plants in the front yard, culinary plants. Um, I may have said it, but we live in paradise and it's easy for me to be connected to that. And my connection is because of my background in biology, I used to guide natural history trips. I still once a month uh, lead uh, trips at the fairly well-known Arcata Marsh project that that has uh, uses the um, the products, sewage products um, in, in enhanced ponds that bring in all kinds of wildlife that attracts people from all over the country, even the world. And so we live in nature here um, and it's wonderful. Um, and then Julie and I, as I said, travel. Um, we were just with one in Belize. Um, and, you know, we all snorkel together in amazing places with beautiful, um, among the finest um, coral reefs still left on the planet. Um, I think it is, Belize has the largest, um, healthiest coral reef now. Um, Great Barrier Reef would be larger, but one third of that um, has now bleached out um, or more. Um, so anyhow, that it's just 
a pleasure to, you know, um, coexist with nature, um, to try to bring to wherever I go, I enjoy, you know, helping people understand the biology, the natural history, the, the geology and so on of the area. And, uh, and just increase the awareness and the importance of our connectedness to all life. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's good enough for now. Thank, Thank you. you, Larry. Thank you. Lauren? Um, interbeing. I think for me, living with interbeing, um, I carry both a, a huge amount of gratitude as I as I deepen into this knowing and concept in my life. Um, it's hard not to wake up and just be alive and be grateful and feel a part of um a part of it all but at the same time I also have a lot of restlessness and I also feel a lot of the connection and because we're living out of balance I feel that in my body too and it drives me forward every day um to to work and to change and to heal and to grow and to figure this out um yeah it's it's kind of hard to untangle the gratitude and the heartbreak and the joy and the creation the creative work that we're all doing now to create our future and to really confront the present and the awareness that's growing. Um, there's so much beauty in all of it. And um, yeah, it seems to be all one thing, these these sort of dual or polar feelings that I live with, um, with interbeing, but I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> I think it keeps me out of amnesia and it keeps me wanting to feel, even if it hurts. I want to know what it feels like to be other beings, um, because when I feel that in my body, um, I create and move through my day differently and feel um, called to my work. So there you go. Well, thank you, Lauren. Thank you for bringing up gratitude too. It's so important and it's such a strong feeling in this interbeing. Um, and from this place, Myra, I think that you mentioned like interbeing is so, it's vast. It's such a, a infinite, if we actually as human beings can take in kind of the, the infinite, it's interbeing is infinite and encompasses everything. And from that space, I want to bring it down just a little bit more. And I'm really curious and I'll ask this to you first, Myra, um, if there's a particular um, aspect of nature within this vast ocean of interbeing that you have felt in your life or, or maybe even right now, particularly connected with, and um, what kind of uh, work and relationship you've done with this nature ally? And if you would like to, even like how you came in to be in relationship. Yes, well, there's one mainstay that's been uh, an ally for some time, and it's a relationship that's growing. Uh, and it's with water itself. That is my, uh, that is a, a nature ally that I've been walking very closely with. But I too 
I'm a Californian who literally feels myself to be in deep family with the grand sequoias and the, the redwood trees of the forest. And I'm an ocean baby born right on the ocean, the great ocean. But fresh waters has been the place where I have found for human beings and for life itself, one of the most generative places to be in relationship with right now. And it has opened up into even more, become more defined when I began working with estuaries. Most recently, the East River, which is in the New York area. Um, I was leading a small group and we were spending an hour with East River and East River uh, was exhibiting such joy and excitement and enthusiasm for our being there that it sort of uh, took me by surprise because the water is quite, uh, you know, uh, polluted and such. And that's what we were focused on in some sense. And it just came right through and rippled through my lips and rippled. You could feel it, it opened and activated the registers in my body. And so while I was in this time of listening deeply to the East River, I was just making note of everywhere. It just surprisingly was activating my own body field. And later when I came out of that, I realized that it was it was rippling across my oxytocin registers. And it just made total sense that the water beings we are and the hormonal fluids in our own bodies would be the natural way in which we would receive communications with the water. And I felt then that thanks to Lady's Mantle in this journey that I have been on with plants, through one, that I was able to, around that same time, I was in the midst of a 90-day study, so I'm going to talk about two aspects of nature, that where we were taking micro doses of a uh, the fruited body of fungi, right? And that's the, you know, it's not uh, in any kind of acti activated kind of response. And these were menopausal women and postmenopausal women. And I entered into the study because we had a neuroscientist following our results, following these women, and, and that I was also able to use my Nest Bioenergetics to, subtle, to measure the subtle body aspects, which I'm very interested in. And I was already picking up, just got the, the final results yesterday, so I can share it with you. The larger study will be out next year in a book. But it was clear that during that time that my receptors actually, in some manner, became much more sensitive. And, you know, the, the plants that we work with, nature always meets us where we are. And because of the intelligence of nature, Whatever it is, particularly if we come into it with an intention. And sadly, for the, fir the first week when I went through the process, I was so um, aware of the presence of this being and its power that the next day I made a 
special place on my altar. I said, how dare I enter this? You know, but this is our mind, right? We're doing a study, you know, we're receiving the dosing. And I had not made a step, a true sacred space for this engagement. And I couldn't even believe it myself. But it knocked me out. So the next, from that week on, boy, did the engagement change. It it was accelerated. And the and the neural biology was able to demonstrate the the um the prefrontal activity that came with engagement at that level so it just left me with more questing to do and more questions and i'm very excited about uh where that leads me now thank you myra <laughs> pam oh yeah wow Thank you, Myra. That was great. Um, it, a bunch of things went. Oh yeah. Oh, boom, 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 boom. Um, so, <laughs> all the little light, all the little lights were flickering. Um, so, many of you who know me know that I'm a serious plant person, and so I, you know, plants have always been my gig. It seems like, and that I love them dearly, and I'm so close to them. However, um, recently I'm. Recently, meaning the last two two years, year and a half, it's been shifting to more towards water and water specifically, ocean water. I've never lived next to the ocean, so unlike Myra, I am not an ocean baby. I've always lived in mostly mountainous areas, so mountains, and so streams, mountain stream. I have a lovely mountain stream that goes through my property in Vermont, and um, and I used to live, I uh, used to live in the Hudson Valley. So the Hudson River, I lived right on the Hudson River. So it's always been fresh water and, and all of that, but oh, very little experience with the ocean and actually being a little intimidated by the ocean because it's big, forceful energy. And so whenever I would go to the ocean, I'd be a little bit like, I mean, I loved being there, but it was a little bit like, I'm a little afraid to be honest of this powerful force and so so then um last year i got this strong i mean it was strong calling from the ocean and it was like you need to spend like significant amounts of time near me and i was like oh how am i going to do that <laughs> so because I'm not going to go be by the ocean on the East Coast in the winter, you know, and I can't during the summer because I need to be home teaching classes and doing all that. So winter time is my time to be able to do that sort of thing. So I came to Belize and last winter and spent a lot of time with the ocean. And it was and that's where I am right now, too. I'm back in Belize for this winter and spending time with the ocean again. So so it's this new kind of, uh, I feel like I'm falling in love. It's like new love, you know? It's like when you, when you meet that new love thing, love person, <laughs> and everything's all exciting and tingly and like, oh, I'm so excited. And like, you wanna stay up all night talking to each other and that kind of thing. It's kind of like that right now. And so I'm getting to know the ocean in a way that, I've never experienced before in my life and having experiences like 
as Larry mentioned here in Belize, it's the second largest barrier reef next to the Great Barrier Reef of Australia, except it's a really healthy reef. And when you go to the reef, which is just just off just off the coast, um, and snorkel or be in the water there, it's just phenomenal to be with all these creatures in this way. So I had this experience of I was in the water and it's of course the, the water's like aqua 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 and that's my color in case you didn't notice aqua 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 and so I was in this water I call it aqua love and I ended up I was snorkeling and I ended up in this school of fish but these were teensy weensy little fish they were tiny little fish but there were thousands and thousands and thousands of them and they were like iridescent kind of sparkly iridescent like multicolored iridescence and here I was and I was kind of like oh I'm in the middle of this school of little fish okay and then they started doing the one mind thing the murmuration or I think that's what it's kind of called and they all started going and I was like oh my gosh so so I so I just like totally went into this one mind space with these fish these teeny little fish it was one of the most profound magical spiritual experiences i've ever had because i got it oh this is what they mean when they say one mind we're all together here you know with one mind and i I, you know, I had gotten that intellectually before, but I never got it viscerally, like in my body, that experience brought it into my body. And so I just was, so that was like one of the first big ones, big lessons from, from this new nature ally that I'm in, falling in love with and uh, is the one mind thing. And so uh, let's see. Um yeah, that's my, this is my new nature ally that, so because I was instructed, so this is the other thing that I've learned over the years is that when you're told by nature, by a plant, I mean, it's, for me, it's been plants telling me to do things, or it could be, you know, it could be water, it could be a mountaintop, it could be, it could be a desert, it could be a plain, it could be, you know, the prairie grasses, it could be, it could be any aspect of nature. When you are told to do a certain thing, then by golly, you better do it. That's what I've found. So I was told you need to spend significant amount of time near the ocean. So, so I said to my husband, I said, okay, honey, we have to go to Belize for the winter. And he was like, what? <laughs> we have, we have to go to Belize because that's where I had my one mind experience and, and I got to be near the ocean. So so here we are for the winter. Uh, uh, we just got here. We haven't even been here a week yet. We got here uh, last week, but it's not even been a week yet. So we'll be here for the whole winter. And 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 we're like, you know, the ocean is like two blocks away. So it's, um, I am so thrilled and excited to discover this huge, and it's a huge, you know, I look at it and like, I mean, plants and ocean, oceans, three quarters of this planet and plants 
at this point in time represent about 80% of all living organisms on the planet. So I think they're kind of the two main boogies, the two biggies is water and ocean water and plants and trees are the two big nature beings. Anyway, I could go on and on about this, but I'll stop now because um, anyway, I'm in process with my new nature ally. I was called and I answered the calling and I'm thrilled because I think it, I'm going to get a lot of information about this whole plastic issue. Again, you know, I mentioned the plastic issue before. There's a serious amount of plastic in the ocean and I really want to address that. And I think I'm going to get some messages from the ocean about how to go about that. So. Thank you, Pam. Larry. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I want to make a plug for um, recycling plastic. Um, Julie um, discovered uh, TerraCycle. Um, and you, I'm sure you can look that up online. You can order a box, um, a large box, and put almost all of your plastic in that box. And then you ship it off. It's all paid for. Um, and they somehow recycle all of that plastic. Um, and so our former con contributions to the world of plastic, of course, there's way too much plastic, has diminished um, because of that. And I think it's if we could all do that, it would help, I think. Um, but anyhow, back to uh, connectedness and um, the presence of nature now in my life, of course, the redwoods that we live in are so close and, and vibrant. Um, their energy is huge. Um, uh, and I've, Julie and I have always, as we explore the world travel, um, connect with the wild of the world, um, life, um, from the heart, from a place of um, joy um, uh, and gratitude for that experience. So when we go visit Iluvator, which is, as I mentioned earlier, not too far north, the world's largest tree by biomass now, um, it's just magical. And it's alive. And the studies by our local um, scientists who um, filmed, digitally filmed the entire canopy system of part of the redwood forest there, they found that all of this or most of the species diversity in a redwood forest is in the canopy system. And now that's been discovered around the world um, with new species of earthworms and salamanders living high in the redwood trees, 200 feet up. Um, it's just an incredibly powerful system. So I mentioned we were just with some members of one on Mount Shasta um, recently. We, we did a very rigorous hike, a little bit more rigorous, I think, than we expected, but it was just beautiful. And it, the hike took us to the headwaters of the McLeod River. Um, and the McLeod River, you could, in this beautiful meadow, flowers blooming everywhere. Mount Shasta, right there, 8,000 feet. We were at 8,000 uh, feet. Um, and you can just lie down next to the beginnings of this beautiful river and it bubbles out and it's crystal clear drinkable and the McLeod River has been completely restored um, uh, by the Wintu peoples and in uh, collaboration with the government um, and it's a pristine river at this point and so it's a success story that's extremely important um, 
so as a biologist, um, we are so connected. We are a cosmos. Um, Myra, I think you mentioned the yeast issue. We are, every human study today has somewhere around 10,000 plus or minus species of microbes that some of which are essential to life. We can't have an immune system without a virus um, being part of that system. Um, most of the 10,000 species are benign. They just kind of hang out. Um, if your immune system is weak, um, some can turn you know, into trouble, but um, we are a cosmos and we coexist within a cosmos of, of the planet and of the universe. And I, I actually have come to the belief fairly scientifically founded that as the universe formed and is expanding, I think Myra said it as well, or, or one of the other speakers, the, the process is to increase complexity um, to the point of creation of life. And sometimes it just seems to me that the evidence for a universe awakening to its own incredibleness, its wonder, is us, at least humans and probably other species on this planet and probably other beings around this universe, when we wake up to the consciousness of the beauty of this universe that we're part of, that we are, it's pretty astounding. Um, and it's, it's um, Joseph Campbell, who is a studied myth and story from around the world. <clears throat> when he was interviewed by Bill Moyers a few weeks before he died, what he said is every religion, every spiritual belief, every story ultimately is a way for us to find the moment where we're completely connected in wonder and rapture to the world, to the universe, where we fit in. And if the story can help do that, or if any belief system can help do that, when you're in that place of complete rapture, you coexist with everything. You are everything. Mm -hmm. And and having many of those experiences, it's hard not to see that and believe that because it's very true. But thank you. Thank you, Larry. It's beautiful. Lauren? <clears throat> I am going to talk about Hawthorne tree. Um, I could I could add to the ocean uh, stories, but I won't. I'll talk about Hawthorne. As an herbalist, I've been working with the healing gifts of Hawthorne for many years and watched a lot of really beautiful support happen for people um, and their hearts, their physical hearts and their emotional hearts. And I had the opportunity to do an initiation with Hawthorne early in the summer with Pam at Sweetwater at her land. And since that time, Hawthorne has been living in my body and most particularly in the center of my chest and my heart. And Hawthorne has this particular way that they live in my body and they call to me or I can be with Hawthorne in the space of my body, which is I just bring my attention to the lower part of my, to, of my heart. Um, and they kind of sit there holding up my heart. And I have since started really calling in Hawthorne to be with me all, a lot. And especially when I'm with clients in my practice, I have really started to move aside in a lot of ways um, and allow Hawthorne to come in 
and work with people because Hawthorne has incredible abilities of healing the human body and, and not just the body, the, the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual bodies. Um, one of the things that Hawthorne has been telling me is that they really are coming into a new understanding of how the human being works because they're here to help us heal and and here to help us really embody and live in our hearts, which is really the place we need to go and be and um, and and expand into for all of this consciousness shifting that everyone is talking about. Um, so Hawthorne just wants us, Hawthorne helps us move a lot of stagnation. That's what, you know, as an herbalist, we know that um, Hawthorne is warming and stimulating, but Hawthorne really helps us um, crumble and dislodge and move out the stuck and stagnant energy that's in our field that we don't need. And, and also the walls that we've put up around our hearts, um, the cages of protection. You know, we think we can't hold all of the heartbreak um, of, of our personal lives and our families and our communities and the world feels so much. And I think what I was saying earlier about um, just the duality of gratitude and heartbreak and maybe they're the same thing. Hawthorne really is helping me to, to, to expand, um, and, and also to share, um, what it's like to be in a tree body and how the, you know, we, and really our bodies are very similar, our, our energetic fields. So, we have our trunks, which is our personal energetic space, our aura, our egg. Um, and that's where we want to have our our own energy. We don't need everyone else's energy. We don't need all the energy running around in the world, the fear energy, the trauma, or just our partner's energy. We want to have our own ecosystem of energy. And that's our trunk. But, but then we have our heart field. And for Hawthorne, if you've seen a Hawthorne tree, her or any tree, you can look at any tree and how they grow and how their branches extend outward and reach. And there's a, a field um, and and they're attached to the trunk, but there's a heart field. And there's so much that we can hold in the heart field and we can work in the heart field. And that's where the compassion lives. And that's where, that's the shared space. So I've been learning a lot about boundaries from Hawthorne too, and how to be so big and also contained. Um, and also how to um, really live in the heart more and more every day and let the heart be the guide and the wisdom holder and to let a lot of the other stuff go. Um, a, lot of, a lot of what I think a lot of us, what we're trying to do right now is let go of what we, what we don't need. And also a lot of the things that we, you know, the plastic wrapped items, um, and the the dopamine hits of modern life, um, can we can we quiet down and find the joy or see the joy and meaning and nourishment in in the quieter parts of life, in the community living, in the growing food, in the walking around in a body and swimming and the clouds, so that we don't need so much other stuff. So. That's, uh, yeah, that's an ally for me, Hawthorne. Thank you, Hawthorne. I love you. Yes, and I can authentically say Hawthorne to do. Uh, thank you to Hawthorne in your life too, Lauren, because we've, I've personally benefited from that relationship. 
that you're having with Hawthorne. And, and that kind of leads us actually to the next place that I'd really like to go. Um, and that is when we are, you know, in connection with all that interbeing, and then we're bringing it in further and developing these relationships with really unique and individual beings within nature. A lot of this happens without words or a lot of um, like external action. And it can really live like deeply in ourselves. We connect from the center of our heart. So my next question, um, and I'm going to give this to you first, Lauren, um, is how have you or what is your experience with taking that really inward looking me and nature self and turning that to look more in an outward direction, outward towards our families, our communities, towards the world that we're living in? Like, how is that relationship so transformed to be looking outward? And then you and this relationship that's living in you, how do you put that in service to the earth, to humanity, to life? How do you be a good steward and, and share? That's a really good question. My, I grew up on the ocean and that, and as a kid was very in unconscious, rapturous relationship with the ocean and you know, when you're a kid, you're really connected to to the beings and spirit. And then I fell away from that connection to life and went to college and um, got involved as an environmental activist and got really angry. And I was living in New York City and um, doing a lot of constant work on um, things like mountaintop removal and coal funding and hanging out with a lot of people that were kind of yelling and screaming about what was happening. And I got into that vibe. And then I realized that actually I, I wasn't connected to the earth that I was um, advocating for. So then I started farming and went to live in the woods. And I think it's been, I would say it's more of an oscillation for me, like rather than a starting, it didn't, I guess it started inward, but in conscious as a child. And then it oscillated towards this really outward, expansive, um, hanging banners off buildings and being really vocal and loud. And then it turned inward again. And then I needed to be really quiet with the earth for a few years and heal from just the chaos of being an environmental activist. And then now it's coming outward again. I'm, I've am i started a community center in my community and I've always, I've been involved in activism work this whole time, but I'm figuring out how to merge the inward and the outward and that they're actually becoming the same work and the same thing. And I no longer have to kind of be in one space and then retreat to another space or call myself back outward. I think there's a way that the inner work um, you can walk around in you can walk with your relationships with the quiet with the gratitude like with the salt water in your hair with with the trees inside of you and um I think that's where we're trying to go is that there isn't like the inside and the outside or the indoors you're like in your house and you go outside or um 
you're in your retreat space and then you're going to go kind of be in the hard spaces. I hope that we can, we can just come back and come home to the ones, the one space of it all. And so, yeah. Thank you, Lauren. Larry. Well, thank you. Um, stewardship. Um, it is an important word that several of you have used. Um, I'm always, I've long been aware of the potential for the human impact, the, the unfortunate negative human impact of people on the planet. And I've done what I can um, in, in many different ways with Julie as well to minimize our impact but you know that's it's impossible to avoid um we live well we travel well and so on um but bringing stewardship with other people um as we you know travel as guide trips or whatever um we're always connected and trying to help people understand those connections or learning about those connections from other people uh, we, we've been gifted to be with incredible um, teachers, um, scientists, um, healers uh, all over the planet. Um, and it, that's just critically important. So my professional work is in emergency medical services. And I manage um, with a small group, um, three counties in the Pacific Northwest, um, so a large area. Um, and our goal is to ensure that the system of patient care, medical care, is coordinated and organized. So every piece of that system, every participant in that system, every part of the support structure of that system is working together to ensure to reduce mortality and morbidity. And we've measured that scientifically. And yes, we've improved patient care through time. My training and love Aside from that is ecology and the study of life and systems that we are, as I said, as we've all said today. Um, and so wherever I go, I'm, I'm just so excited about something new or different or the wild that I'm like a kid in the candy store. And I just want to kind of share that with everybody and learn as much as I can with everybody. Um, it's very, very exciting. Um, so, you know, I guide trips on occasion and, and so on. And, and it's, it's just wonderful um, that we get to um, see the world and immerse with the natural world. Um, the other part of it that I express, I think, more and more in my life is music. Um, uh, just in the last just few months, I've written so many new songs. It's just kind of amazing. I'm on this burst of creativity for some reason and it's just a pleasure to um, let the music come through i have a wonderful guitar sometimes i can feel the trees that made that guitar um, speak to me through that instrument and teach me new things that i didn't even know um, i i could do or I, i'm listening better to the world and um actually have songs about that um, uh, very uh, concept. So um, so just, yeah, enjoying the privilege of my life and the wonder of what I've been able to do as a human being 
um, to absorb the beauty of this planet. Um, it, it's really uh, a privilege and I'm very honored to have had those experiences and look forward to continued experiences like that. Um, um, yes, I think that's... Thank you, Larry. <clears throat> Myra, the same question to you and you, um, gosh, you have really taken your work out like really all around the world in such a global way, but can you share with us about this, like the really kind of internal, deep process relationship with nature and bringing that out, giving it, giving it away, the big giveaway? Yeah, the big giveaway. Uh, you know, I have to really say that Lauren began to touch on it. It's what we know when we are little children. Mm -hmm. And what we know when, when, what I knew when I was a little girl is I was carrying this wish that I could just hug the world and assure them that all will be well. And that was the way I was walking around in the world with just, you know, I, that wish of being able to hug everyone. And how that is translated has been interesting, you know, because here we are, we are our home, the home that we live upon is, is something that in, in most ways we don't have any real connection with. We don't notice the things that are so fundamental and basic to that, in, you know, that enables our ability to be here. And I'm interested in not just our being here, but being here whole, being here in harmony, being here and experiencing the wonder and awe that is that naturally arises when you just really notice, my goodness, life is happening here. And we have a chance to play yet again today. Because it is really playground we're really fortunate here and in my young life music was very very a much a part of my life as was astronomy and my early um, studies was in many of the sciences physics is you know um, my my parents brought in one of the Salk Institute scientists into our community and um, with one dollar, was able to put him in a home in in our in our San Diego community to offer science after school to our community. And we spent a lot of time in La Jolla tide pools on the ocean, exploring through science, fossil hunting, you name it. Um, I you know, so I'm a really geeky kid, and still am. And I still stay very, very much involved in the sciences, particularly um, quantum physics and astronomy. So I think in big scales, all right? Uh, I see in math, I see in geometry. So when I receive information, it comes that way. When Lady's Mantle came, Lauren talked about where you feel in the body. She made the shoulders of my body very clear to me as that transboundary, because what we're doing is we're bringing our bodies back into a mind, a meta mind that can understand and know itself to be part of a living universe. 
And that's what we're waking up into. And I know that's part of my work, you see. So while I have many loves, uh, and that was the big challenge in my early years, because I love so many things and I attended to becoming a deep student of so many things that a course needed to be charted that uh, brought this, uh, that was able to find that place, those entry points where I could make a difference. And even though you can see in my bio, there's a lot of global work and all of it is grounded locally. So just remember that we have to have I have found it it works to have con con coherency in the small things, in the community, in where you can see the eyeballs of the people that you are interacting with, feel the trees and, and have a relationship with the life around you. Because the more we are embedded in our own ecosystems, this was my process of knowing the inner and outer and what I was to do. The more I was in relationship with the ecosystem that I lived in, knowing where my the watershed was, the deepening relationship informed what I needed to do otherwise. It wasn't the other way around. Because what I found early in life is it's very important to say and do to what you say has to follow the action. It is okay in this world, I discovered, to say one thing and do another. People get away with it and build reputations, build businesses, build many things where the two are not connected. And I'll tell you the secret to the power is in coherence. And of course, I'm an engineer, so I love coherence, right? But it's real. Because once we have coherence in our action and the way we're living, it can inform the next and the next thing we can do. We can scale. I mean, scaling is mathematics. Just look at the Fibonacci sequence. Look at the golden mean spiral. It starts at zero. There's a zero point. What do you think the zero point is, Myra? Well, Myra had to figure out what that was. It's home. It is the frequency and it is the resonance of home. So home wasn't San Diego, California anymore. Home was wherever I went. And that's why I was able to go far afield because I, I knew wherever I went that I was still connected to that which sources and grants life. And that became what I learned how to stay in connection with. And that's what I took care of, the resonance between that connection to, to the greater source of life. And everywhere I go, I can see that greater source of life active. So I pretty much have built the life out of going where called in the world. So I retired at 38 from San Diego Gas and Electric as an engineer with my little pension and began traveling where I was called in the world. And I would stop and consult and build the coffers and keep going. And I've been going and I'm 65 now. And what I'm following now are the waters. And I just talked to you about East River. East River is the place in the world where vascular plants came aground. That's in the geological record. 
Those are blooming plants. Blooming plants made it possible for human beings to be here. That's why now we need to be in direct relationship with blooming plants. Because we have another leg of our journey, another leg of our unfolding that's taking place. We need each other. The plants need us. We need the plants. And you can never divorce water from that. Because it's all interrelated. So Pam had the experience of the one mind. That's the meta mind. That meta mind is what leads us to metanoia. The metanoia is the change of mind. Einstein talked about it. What we've created, fine. But if you want to create the next level, it's got to be with a different mind. That different mind is a meta mind. So the gut, the heart, and, and our cranial mind, they have to come together. Once we have coherence there, guess what? Our relational field broadens. And we can have, we can be uh, in relationship to the intelligence of the entire planetary being. That's an exciting place. And that's a big hug. So hug yourselves. <laughs> you know, really, I'm delivering the big hug right here, right now. Thank you. Thank you for the big hug, Myra. <laughs> Indeed. The big giveaway. Um, Pam, same question to you, really, you know, taking this, what can be just a really internal relationship and turning outwards and serving the earth well uh yes i i mean i feel like pretty much my entire adult life has been um you know w working in this way however i've always felt and i sort of still feel this way although it's changing a little bit that um i'm not doing enough I'm never I'm it's never enough and so I I'm kind of tend to be a driven person because of that uh, so bringing it well so it's kind of obvious here what I founded the one organization and that was 10 years ago so this is our 10th anniversary that we're celebrating and that was one of the ways that I wanted to bring it to even a wider audience, even a bigger, you know, a bigger uh, venue, a bigger reach more people reach. So, so this was part of it, this creation of one and, and some would, some might say, well, you know, there's lots of environmental organizations. Yeah. But that's, I was real clear with the one organization that it's more than that. It's more than, an, an environmental uh, organization, which we could go all into the definition of environmental and and then ecological, very different, the two of them. And so, but I, we don't need to go down that, that road right now. So basically what I had in mind was that an organization that brought the heart, soul, and spirit into this environmental or ecological arena and also that we were we were going to do this in a partnership so co-create a partnership with nature so that as you've heard several of us speaking about listening to what nature wants so it's not just an anthropocentric 
uh, way of being where we decide what it, what should go down and how it should be and what action we should take. But we actually take time to listen to what nature and different aspects of nature want from us and then want us to step forward into the wider world to do. So that was another huge aspect about creating the one organization was that we're going to listen we're going to we're going to bring nature in here too to have a voice to have a have a place at the table so to speak so i feel like way back in our beginnings back in 2013 when we began it we i mean it was just an idea and we got together and we sat around and threw out ideas and we in the early days we started out with everybody was gardeners and plant people and things like that so we did this whole thing around uh you know oh we were gonna have gardens like we would have the uh creative garden we would have the environment we would have the activist garden we would have that and everybody was like garden like are you gonna go plant a garden and we were like but we were it was just a way of anyway so we had to we had so many different iterations back in the beginning and then you know as we went through the years it changed and it continued to change and now where we're at right now is we feel pretty good about where we're at we continue to evolve of course nature evolutionaries need to continue to evolve. And so we continue to do that, but we have a pretty, uh, we feel, feel pretty good about where we are at now and bringing educational opportunities out and uh, doing collaborative kind of work with other organizations and uh, reaching, just reaching further afield, doing our own explorations, going to different places. We do journeys where we go to other places where people are doing nature evolutionary work. I mean, they're doing it in their way. And so we go and bring other people to see how it's happening across the globe. So we're, so I think we're feeling pretty good about where we're at right now with also realizing there's still more to do. So I feel like uh, for me, it's a bit, this has been a big piece of me stepping out into the world, taking it from my inner, my inner, world my inner arena and bringing it forward however i'm also aware that that um uh, you know there's there's only there's a amount of energy that a person carries and um i'm starting to feel like now as i get older <laughs> become an elder which i'm very happy about but you know is like I don't have the same energy that I had when I was Lauren's age. Like she's, she's bubbling over with energy. And I used to be like that all the, you know, also, and I'm realizing, oh, okay. So I'm really realizing now that I need to be really paying attention to the amount of energy that I put out. And I also, the only way I can do what I do now is with the help of nature and, and being filled back up. So that's one of the things that the ocean is doing for me right now. When I'm near the ocean, I am totally filled back up, which is wonderful. So, so there, there comes a point in time, which I think I'm approaching that where I need to be really uh, selective perhaps about how I, I, I put my energy out there 
And I feel really good about putting my energy, channeling my energy through one, partly because it is collaborative. So it's not just me. It's not me out here doing it all by myself, which I'm really not interested in, in, in anymore. I always was like, oh, I can do this and I, I, I can do this myself. And I don't feel like that's where we're headed. Where we're headed is we've got to come together. We've got to be co-creative together. We've got to be collaborative together. We've got to, you know, have each other's backs. We've got to help each other out. Just bringing it right back to interbeing, this interdependence. And so that's where I'm, my focus is, is like, how do I be more collaborative with others, more collaborative with nature as well, and not trying to be like the lone wolf doing my little thing all by myself. Those days are over. And I feel like this is a really important aspect on the planet right now is realizing that basically this crisis we're in right now is about separation. And we've got to come in to interbeing into unity consciousness into like, we can do this together, but we do need to do it together in a collaborative way. I feel like the one organization is moving in that direction to being much more collaborative with other organizations. And so that's what I feel like is really super important right now for me and for this organization and for all of us in general is the separation thing has got to stop because it has never served anyone nor the earth. So that's kind of where I'm where I'm at right now. I'm feeling like I'm feeling really good about this organization and continuing and being more collaborative and you know, no more sep no separation. Mm -hmm. Gosh. Yeah. Thank you, Pam. And thank you all for those like deep and in some cases kind of mind-blowing um answers to that question. And um the purpose of this webinar, in addition to going deep into our partnership with nature and really sharing with each other what that relationship um, with nature feels like in our life and how it's informing our life, is to look towards the future and, and also speak about the seeds that we can plant right now in our current time, the essential seeds that will contribute to a vibrant future for us as humanity, but for all of our kin, seen and unseen kin. So I would like to ask each of you and also the participants from your unique perspective, what is maybe two, let's limit it, <laughs> getting a little low on time, like two essential things you feel as humanity, we need to be doing right now, planting those seeds for a vibrant future. If humanity is too big, if you can let us know something, a couple things that you are really drawn to at this particular moment in time, where you're putting your energy and planting those seeds, contributing to a vibrant future. And Larry, we're going to go ahead and start with you. Oh, thank you. Um, I think I probably am going to repeat what, you know, 
many of us have said, and what I think I tried to say is um, the obviously awareness and stewardship caretaking of the planet is crucial. Um, and in a way that both empowers people to help reheal the planet and support life, um, to appreciate the diversity and the importance of diversity, human diversity and the diversity of life is absolutely critical um, in my mind. Um, and in, in engaging in that in a way that um, isn't just in what we know about the planet, but what we feel about the planet. We are the planet and it is us. And that connection that several of you have expressed so well, that's I think the heart-centered connection, the, the joy and the wonder uh, of our connection to the world, to the wild, to one another is critically important. Um, and sharing that in any way that we can through song, through story, through concert, uh, um, conferences, webinars, whatever, um, is very, very important. Um, many, many parts of the world are doing the same thing. Everywhere we travel, people are concerned about the environment. People are worried about climate change. Their places are changing um, becoming more stressed and they're working hard to reverse that or to slow that down. And I think there's a lot of energy for that, that we need to continue to grow and promote. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Pam? Well, a lot of what we've been talking about today, of, of course, is important. Um, uh, it feels to me like I mean, we're talking about change that needs to happen on a massive level. And, uh, you know, Myra, thank you so much with your big visions. I love that. I'm kind of a big visionary, big thinking big terms as well. And so how is that going to happen? And, you know, I keep waiting for the hundredth monkey, you know, like a, the, the leap in consciousness when the species... Uh, reaches a certain level of conscious awareness, then, then there's a leap. Um, I think the leap is, it's really time now <laughs> to leap, but I, but how do we, how does that happen? And one of the th things that I feel, uh, and this is just in my personal experience and what I've seen with students and, and other people that I have um, had the pleasure to uh, sit in circle with or to teach, and is that what really changes people in their relationship with nature and and helps them to stop seeing nature as a commodity, something that we just use as a resource, something we use for our to benefit us, is personal experience. It's like when you have like a deep personal experience with nature, things change. And so how do we do that? How do we, so for me, that's one of the places that I want to continue to have that. I want to like, like I did with the, with the little fish in the, in the ocean. And, but I want to continue to have those deep personal experiences because it just opens me wider and wider and wider to the magnificence 
uh, intelligence and and vibrant life that that this planet is. It's it's quite miraculous how how incredible this planet is, and so bringing up close personal bring let's see bringing opportunity for up close and personal contact with nature where you have a personal experience that hits you in your heart spreads throughout your whole being hits that spot with where the oxytocin gets released that Myra mentioned earlier the bonding hormone that's oxytocin oxytocin gets released bonding happens and there's a whole cascade of events that 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 gets initiated after that so however we can either encourage others or just take you know your neighbor for a walk in the woods and you know give them an experience i don't know it can be small but it can also be large that's i think part of what we're doing here with one too we're bringing people to places or to have experiences in nature that really touches them that just happened in Mount Shasta not too long ago for any of you who were on that Mount Shasta trip you I, I, that mountain it's pretty hard to be in the presence of that mountain and not be touched deeply so that's what I'm feeling right now so I am dedicating I've dedicated my life but now it's like it's getting uh, notched up a bit to helping people or providing an opportunity, providing a setting where people can have up close personal relationships, experiences with nature, which changes drastically how they view nature. And I think, I mean, Myra, you, you're, you, you know, your, your web is pretty big and it goes out and out and out. And I feel like that you have an you have a, a an opportunity perhaps to touch people in those places where you know policy change gets changed and all that kind of stuff that you can have a really big impact and you've got the heart and soul behind it which i feel like thank you so much i have so much gratitude for you for the work that you do because i'm sure it's not always easy running in some of the circles that that you do and so for me, I sometimes I feel like I'm preaching to the choir all the time, but hey, the more you preach to the choir, the better singers they get to be <laughs> singing together in the choir, singing in harmony. So anyway, um, yeah, that's how I'm feeling right now is personal, real, like having that real deep personal experience that really ch changes you at a core level. Thank you, Pam. Thank you. And Myra, we'll just let you, Pam was just kind of speaking to you. So we're just going to let you pick it up right there. Oh, thank you. Uh, wow. Thank you, Pam. The, the leaps are coming. Thank you for invoking that. That's one of the things that in working with the fruiting body of the mushrooms that I, um, I kept looking at it and going, why, why now? Why are we having this conversation now for decades? People have been working with you and this is the first time that I have. And I realized that one of the things I know about the fruiting body is that it is always through time been in the symbolism of those who understood the connection that we have to all of life. And if you look at it operationally, when lightning strikes and there are fungi below, the mushrooms emerge spontaneously. And what we are talking about is the 
we are coming to a, a point in time. Uh, and, th and that point in time is because really I see timelessness beginning to inform the present. And those openings happen when we start to see systems that we that have held firm disintegrate and dissolve. So the opportunities are even greater now to wherever there is coherence, wherever there is deep relationship with nature, that that is what will rise, you see. It will emerge whole, in fact, because when those mushrooms come, they're a whole-fruited body, whether it's on a, a tree that was struck by lightning or the ground. And I do believe we're in for some spontaneous kind of action I see it, I saw it in the room in Montreal, Canada, when we were working on the framework for biodiversity. The whole room was in chaos. The coherency was being held by those of us who have deep relationship with nature and was holding the language for recognizing Mother Earth and recognizing non-market approaches, recognizing the non-anthropocentric ways of proceeding. And that language held in the framework because everyone else went into separation. A few held and the language carried, which had been in red and struck out for now. I was astounded. And I said, my work is done. <laughs> because getting one word, the word youth, in the framework on climate change took five years. So it's all around the one words. And I will say this, because I know our time is short. We do need to look at the language we're using because every way in which we are speaking, addressing is a part of our perception. And our mental perception is also what will change. If we know ourselves to be one with life, then our language needs to uphold that. And we have a language that separates. So we do need to be in creation of new language. The word primitive in its origins meant being closer to what sources life. And you all know what happened to the word primitive. It became pejorative. And that was intentional. In the industrial age, we have the record. We know the scientists. They understood the power of words and words change. The word nature went from being capitalized to lowercase. So you have to see that we are in a space now where we can play again with language and, and bring the language of what we're present to into the world. That's what we need to do in order to have our visions, right? That part of future, that missing part of the formula that we don't work with in Einstein is momentum. And it is about, it is about centropy. Centropy is the future informing present. So we are beginning to move uh, with that part of the physics, of the mathematics of a living universe that allows things to scale and emerge whole into the next iteration of its form. That's what we're a part of right now. I'll stop there. It's hard to stop today. I feel like we could go on for so long. Wow. Um, thank you, Myra. Lauren, um, same question to you. Okay. Oh my gosh, wow. Thank you, Myra and Pam and Larry. Um, it's a hard act, some hard acts to follow. But um, what I would just quickly 
want to talk about is food um, and the importance of creating new um, webs and relationships in our communities around our food growing and our food needs and understanding um, the soils where we are and what plants um, and beings grow where we are that we can eat. Um, for me, I'm a, a gardener and I'm so grateful to the garden because I think we can be in relationship with the garden and and touch all so much of everything that we've talked about from the cosmos to the center of the earth. The garden is a, a teacher. And so I live in Maine and I'm really trying to wrap my mind around how much corn I need to grow to feed my family for the winter and what pole beans are the most abundant and best beans that grow in my garden. Um, and I, I live with around, there's a lot of farmers in my community and there's just these beautiful conversations and gatherings and meetings around food um, and who, who, who can we grow here? Who does grow here? Um, and gosh, I think this is so important because we need to stop shipping food all over the globe and we still need to keep eating um, if we want to be living in the future. So I'm really shifting my mind in big ways. One of the things I'm learning about is oatmeal. Oats grow really well in my garden. They grow really well in Maine. We have lots of oats here. So turns out that oats are a delicious, savory food. You know, just transforming in my brain the idea that oats are a breakfast food that you need to eat with, you know, a sweet thing in the morning too. I can serve oats with curry for dinner to my family. And um, that kind of brain shift and new creative ways of thinking and also just remembering our ancestral ways and remembering um, how we used to live in community, how we used to grow food together, how we used to have common land, how we used to steward together, how we used to sh share seeds. Um, that's an area that I feel is really essential to answer your question. So um, yeah, food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just want to add to this conversation if I can, which I think I've had with most of you in the last week is that part of the title for this webinar is planting seeds of the future. And we're all like really aware and embody the fact that we don't want to live far in the past and we don't want to live far in the future, but that the future and the past fold in right where we are right now. In this moment, we are planting those seeds and, and we're not living far away. What we do now is so important and we each need to bring our own personal gift forward at this moment in time. So since I don't get to get into the chat, I just wanted to put my little thing in there. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Um, Larry, Pam, Myra, Lauren, all of you with us today in the one community, thank you so much for all of the contribution. I saw on the side, just incredible things coming through the chat what each of our panelists had to say today in moments really touched my heart and um, and thank you. So thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Myra. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, Larry, from the center of my heart, to the center of your heart, hopefully to the center of everything.
And if you want to stay on with us, we are going to continue for just a moment the celebration of our 10th anniversary. We have some beautiful prizes to draw for. Um, our reciprocity with all of you in nourishing this interbeingness with our community. And I think, Pam, did you want to say just a few words? Gratitude for our community, our visioning council. Well, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you all. So thank you so much for uh, for just the commitment that you're making to the earth by showing up at at one meetings and one webinars and one adventures and journeys that we do and ancestor circles and women working for the earth conferences and all of the things that we've been doing and the things that we're to, or we're intending to do and going to move forward with but thank you so much i mean this um your dedication is just touches my heart so much so thank you for being here and we have a few gifts that we want to share, give back to you. One of them is um, I do plant initiations. Some of you may know that, or some of you may have attended one. So one of the gifts is that we're gonna we're gonna spin a little wheel or do something to pick pick a name, and um, is what's the ones coming up this next season. It will be uh, the beginning of June sometime. You can go on my, it's not up on my website yet, but it will be soon, is elder. So it's the elder plant is the initiation that um, is going to, elder will be our initiator this coming season. And there's, so you, the elder in-person initiation is available, or if you're, you win that, prize win that gift and you live far away and you can't make it to vermont then in the fall will be an online initiation i know you say to yourself what online but yes we've done a few online initiations and they actually have been kind of awesome so so there's both whichever works for you if you absolutely can't attend this year then it's going to roll over for one more year so you have another year so that's that one uh, Alicia, you might want to speak about the other two gifts we have. Yes. Um, I think I'm going to pull the spinner up and we'll talk about the gifts maybe as we spin for them, except Pam's gift is last because that's kind of like the grand giveaway. <laughs> so the first thing that we're going to spin for um, in our giveaway is a free pass to a self-paced online course that we did called Connecting Creatively with Nature. It's um it's a five week course that's got a lot of beauty in it, but also guides you through a really um, profound process of either connecting with nature for the first time or deepening your relationship with nature. And if you're already enrolled, you could give it away as a gift if you win it. So here we go. Click to spend. Mella Stevens, you have won the Connecting Creatively with Nature um, course. We hope you really enjoy it, and we'll be reaching out to you via email, um, probably tomorrow. Um, Rebecca, I can't see you, but I hope that you wrote Mella's name down for the, okay, so we're going to take, 
Mela off the list there. So now we are going to do the giveaway for our next gratitude gift. And that is um, that is a free admission and all access pass to our Women Working for the Earth recordings. Um, many of you, I'm sure, attended the Women Working for the Earth Summit, which was in the spring of 2022 for Earth Day, where we highlighted women around the world doing really incredible heart-based work for their communities in collaboration with nature. And it was a powerful experience. The recordings are awesome. So this is um, this is access to all of that. Here we go. I got, I got really excited last time actually with this film. So Rebecca's going to write your name down, Sue, and we will get a hold of you tomorrow via email. And congratulations and thank you so much for your support. Okay, now this is the spin for Pam's plant initiation. Initiation by Elder in this next year. She said it's good for two years if you couldn't make it this next year. It's a very generous gift, Pam. Thank you. Kari Beer. Well, congratulations, Kari. And thank you for your support. Rebecca's going to write your name down and we will email you tomorrow. So thank you all for being with us today. Thank you for contributing to this blueprint, this brainstorming document that we're going to put together and share with you later. Thank you for your love, your support of one. And um, thank you for walking with us. It feels good to be walking together, to be in connection with nature together. So this recording will be up later on the website. We thank you all and we say goodbye for now. Thanks everybody.